was a movie that came out. I don't know if you saw it. It was simply called The 33. And it was about the 33 men who were stuck in a mine in Chile in 2010. How many remember that story about the miners that were stuck for, I believe, 59 days? And uh, the, 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 the movie tells all about what happened to the guys and what happened on the inside, um, uh, you know, underneath. They were stuck beneath a boulder, beneath, beneath a rock that was twice the size of the Empire State Building. It's this dire situation. One newspaper said they had a 2% chance of survival. And, and, and they felt the, how ominous the situation was. They, uh, they, there, was another, there was a book that was written about their experience called The Deep Down Dark. And I, I, I found it so interesting what happened, the dynamic of what happened with these, 59, with these 33 men uh, underneath the surface for 59 days. Well, they didn't know what to do. They, they, they immediately started questioning you know, their relationships, questioning their you know, spirituality, questioning well, where am I going to go when I die. You know, they just knew that it was over. And uh, there was um, a man named uh, Juan um, Enriquez. I mean, I'm sorry, Jose Enriquez. And he was one of the miners who was 53 years old. And he had been mining since the late 70s. So he had been uh, mining for years and years and years. And he was a follower of Jesus. And everybody you know, knew that um, you know, Jose was, was a follower of Jesus. And they said, what do we do? Would you pray for us? And uh, the, the book says that he bowed his knee on that first day, and he prayed this prayer. He says, we are not the best men, but Lord, would you have pity on us? We are sinners, and we need you. There is nothing we can do without your help. We need you to take charge of this situation. Isn't that what happens whenever we get in the deep down dark of life? I know you probably haven't been in a you know, mine, sh- mine shaft below the earth, but I think all of us know what it's like to get in the deep down dark situations of life and, and, and just say, God, I need you. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your direction. I need you in my life. And uh, the story goes on that, man, those guys started praying. They, they said, what do we do? And he said, repent of your sins. You know, confess your sins to God. And people were talking about all kinds of things that they had been doing. And, I mean, they were just, they had a revival in the deep down dark. They had a revival, said, okay, God, we need you. We need your help. We need your strength. We need your mercy. And they started talking about, oh, I've been doing this, and I'm ready to stop it. I want to give it to God. And they only had so much fuel to be able to get light. And so um, in in their writings, they said they would only conserve enough fuel for just a little bit each day. They'd turn on the light, and uh, they would share stories from the Bible, and then they would pray together, and they'd sing together down in the deep, down dark. And uh, what they didn't know is that on the surface, the best engineers all over the world were trying to work out how to make their escape possible. So they knew that if they were just to drill straight down, that the, you know, the, the rock would just literally cave in on them. So they were, they were trying to figure out how do we, how do we you know, save these men. And they found out that they could bring this capsule down, and they started bringing them food and water, and also newspapers. And the guys started reading the newspaper, and they started realizing that the eyes of the whole world were on them. And they started realizing how many people were working on them and the progress that was being made. And they, they thought to themselves, we're going to get out of this. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, we're going to make it. 
And, and, and then they started realizing uh, how many people were watching them. They thought we were going to be famous. Like everybody's going to know about us. And then we'll probably, we can, and we're going to be rich. Because we can write books and we can tell the story. Like everybody's going to want to know the story of what happened. And, and their lives began to be filled with hope that they were going to be rescued. But at the same time, while they were hopeful of rescue, the book says that they, one of the things stopped, they stopped praying. Whenever they started getting encouragement that they were going to be, that they were going to be rescued, then they stopped, they stopped gathering and singing. And it's such an interesting dynamic, isn't it? Because it's, it's awesome that they were going to be rescued, but it's also sad because their desperation for God is, is, is changing. And it's amazing how the deep down dark moments of life cause us to enter a desperation for God that nothing else does. I want to tell you that there are certain things in your relationship with God that you will never experience without desperation. That just a casual encounter with God will never be enough to be able to experience all that God wants for you. There's never been a revival that was born out of convenience, never one time. Like, God, would you move? If you don't, it's okay. You know, I kind of got a schedule today. I have things I got to do. I got people I got to see. So you got 30 minutes, God, you know, like, see what you got. No revival was ever started like that. Because revivals take place whenever people get desperate for God, whenever they're like, I want God more than I want anything else. Like, I want God more than I want food. They start fasting. They start praying. I want God more than I want anybody. I want God more than I want fun. I want God more than I want success. I want God more than I want my dreams to come true. Like, I need God more than anything else. And that desperation starts birthing something in our lives. And that desperation starts changing us from the inside out. It's that, that hunger for God. It changes everything. And it's a motivation. It's, it's the reason why we start living different and start changing because we're desperate for God. We're in a series right now through the book of Galatians, and we're looking at how Paul is teaching the Galatian church about grace. Because after Paul left, there were people that came back in and said, uh, Jesus really isn't enough. You need to add all these religious rules, and you kind of need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You need to do more things for God. You know, I think we get the concept a lot of times that you don't need to take away things from the Bible. But through the book of Galatians, we see that you don't need to add things to the Bible either. You don't need to add things to what Jesus said. It's already enough. That the cross is a finished work of Christ. Like there's nothing that you can be good enough to, to deserve it. And that's what Paul's trying to teach them. And he, he's teaches them uh, in chapter 5 all about how to stay free, how to make free decisions. And, and he couches it all in a conflict that takes place between our spirit and our flesh. So let's look at it together. Galatians 5 verse 16. He says, So I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice that. It doesn't say you will not want to. It just says, walk in the spirit. You, you, you won't do it anymore. Like you're not grati- you won't gratify the desires of the flesh anymore. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. 
they are in conflict with one another so that you are not so that you are not to do whatever you want verse 18 but if you're led by the spirit you're not under the law so there's this conflict between our flesh between our spirit god says this is the war that takes place on the inside and it changes everything what i've discovering what I'm discovering even through the study through the book of Galatians that there are really two uh, different bullseyes on the target of our life one is kind of the bullseye that the world has that kind of we naturally our flesh wants and then the other bullseye is the bullseye that God wants for our life and I want to kind of just illustrate this for us this morning here's here's the bullseye of the world is our comfort we want to be comfortable, like make me comfortable. I want to be physically comfortable. I want to be relationally comfortable. I want to be financially comfortable. Like that's the goal. That's the bullseye. If I can just be comfortable, then everything else is going to be okay. But God knows something that many times we can miss because he made us. And he knows that comfort left alone, if that's the goal, leads to an unsatisfied life. Comfort, a life of comfort, never draws us to a place of satisfaction. It never draws us to a place of purpose and fulfillment. But just comfort alone leads to being unsatisfied. There's maybe some people in this place, you are more comfortable than you've ever been in your entire life, but you're also more miserable than you've ever been in your entire life. Because you were never meant for the comfort to be the goal. And God understands this, so he interrupts our comfort with a need, a problem is allowed into our life to interrupt our comfort, an issue, a boulder, if you will, to a place where we're kind of in some deep down dark moments. We say, I don't know what to do. Would you help me? And our need is meant to take us to God's bullseye for our life, and that's desperation, God wants us to live a life that's fueled by desperation for him. He wants us to live a life fueled by our understanding that I need God more than I need anything else. And, and oftentimes he allows difficult circumstances to come in our lives not to destroy us, but to reveal to us that we can't do this on our own. To reveal to us that we can't make it in our own power, in our own ability. And if we get to a place where we're desperate, we say, God, I need you. Like, we get down on our knees. We say, God, would you come through? Like, I need your healing. I need your strength. I need your direction. I need you, God. Like, the need brings you to a place of desperation in your relationship with God. But then there's something that happens after our, we get desperate is that there's always a pull back to comfort. And many times this is the cycle of life. This is the cycle of life. We, we get comfortable and then we have a need then we get desperate then we just go back to being comfortable again. And we never understand truly what God is wanting to do in our lives. And sadly, some of us get to a place where we're just comfortable and unsatisfied and we don't even get to a place where we're desperate anymore. We're just kind of like, you know what? I'm just done with the ministry God's called me to do. I'm just kind of done. And this is the war of the spirit and the flesh. But I want to show you what God wants to do. Like that's what our flesh wants to do. Just be comfortable. Just kind of stay in that cycle. God wants our desperation 
to lead us to a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit. Like, God, I need you. There's a need in my life. I need you. And then it's not even just about the need anymore. It's like, I need you. Do you need God or do you need what God can give you? Like, do you need, do you desire God, like just God? Or do you desire the things God can give you? Because God wants our desperation to lead us to a place where we say, God, I just want you. Like, I want more of you. I want a greater dependence on the Holy Spirit, which then leads us to a greater awareness of our own need. Like, it's a, it's a, God, the need is not even my need. Like, I don't just need you to get me out of this cave. I need you to save me. I need you to heal me. I need you to change me. Like, I want a relationship with you, which leads us to a greater desperation and a greater desperation and a greater desperation in our walk with God. But there's always a pull, isn't there? At every stage, there's always a pull back to a place of comfort. And that's what Paul is talking about here, this war that takes place on the inside. Uh, Verse 19 of Galatians 5 says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, so he's talking about the things that bring us back down to comfort, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. These are just avenues that get us back to what we think we want, comfort. It says idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. He says, let me tell you again, as I've told you before, anyone living this sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Like you've missed it. Like you, you missed the point about what this is all about. Like you're letting your life be desperate for comfort, living for just kind of the flesh and the things of life instead of understanding, man, there's something greater than I can be driven by in my life. So I, I just want to uh, just teach a little bit. Maybe you wonder, why am I drawn to certain things? Like, why do I want certain things in my life? Well, well if I could explain it this way, that, that you are a three-part person. I am as well. We are, we have a, we, we are a soul that's the eternal, in the spirit, that's the eternal part of us. So so we are a spirit, like our spirit is what will live in, a, live in eternity with God. Our, then we are a spirit that has a soul, which is mind, will, emotions. Like that's, that's who we are. We have these emotions. We have these ways that we connect with other people. And then lastly, we have a body. Our bodies, you know, the physical, what we can physically touch. And your body's a thing that loves potato chips. Bacon. I like that one even better. And here's what Paul's saying. He's not just randomly throwing out just, just sins. He's, he's trying to show us these are different types. These are like we're drawn to these things. Here's the first thing he's, he's showing us is that our spirit is drawn to idolatry. Our spirit is drawn to idolatry. Like we're looking for something to save us from our desperation. We're looking for something to save us. So what saves us from our desperation? A lot of times we think if I could just get this job, it'll save me. If I can just get this relationship fixed, it'll save me. If I can just get this or that, it'll save me. And it kind of acts as a functional savior in our life. And it's idolatry. And a lot of times, I think probably the greatest one for us is money. You know, we, money, this is so interesting to me. Money, I got thinking about it this week, it promises us the same thing that God promises us. Security, 
joy, hope, like happiness, like it's going to be all right if I have enough money. You know, it's, it's a functional savior for us, and it can become an idol that we say, well, I'll just, and we'll sacrifice our family just to make a, just a little bit more money. Because if I can just get a little bit more, if I can just have a little bit more, then my life's going to be okay, and never mind how it affects my relationship with God or how, never mind how it affects my purpose. And it, it just kind of becomes an idol. It, it takes us back, oh, I'm comfortable again. And this, the second thing is, is that our, our souls... They're drawn to pride. Our souls, our soul is drawn to pride. That's what he talks about, the you know, debauchery and, the, and, 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 and all of the uh, you know, anger and all these things. Like, it's all about me. I don't know what you deal with, what, what one of these areas of your life that you struggle with. If, if you're an angry person, this is something that, man, that anger is kind of controlling your life. It's taking you back. It's like a functional, like I feel better now because, man, it's, you know, I am getting from this place that like I'm going to fix this desperation all by myself. I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them back. I'm going to revenge. Like I'm going to do all these things. And it, it, it gets us back to, to comfort. It's the war inside. And here's the third thing that our body is drawn to lust talks about um, sexual things. He talks about all of these different, uh, you know, debauchery, which is just like ex- excess and everything, like, like anything that's a, just an excess in our lives. And, man, this is, this is what he's talking about. It's, it's all taking us back to this place where we're just getting comfortable in our own ability. And that's why he goes on to give us a different way to live. He says in verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit, this kind of fruit in our lives. So he's going to tell us, okay, that's what it looks like when you're living comfortable. He says, but let me show you what it looks like when you're living desperate. The Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's, he's like, there's no law against these things. In other words, like everybody wants this. Like nobody's trying to restrict these things. Why? Because Holy Spirit empowered living, desperate living for God is the best way to live. Like it's, it's the life that everybody's wanting but, but many times missing because of comfort. It's the best way to live. There's no law against this kind of stuff because this is what everybody's living for. They want these. They're trying to find these. Verse 24 uh, th- those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to the cross. So in other words, I, I gave all that to him. It says, and since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Like, what are we desperate for? I'm going to give you a couple truths about desperation. The first one is this, that when we are desperate for something, we don't want lesser things anymore. When we are desperate for something, we don't want lesser things anymore. Paul writes this, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything, like seriously, everything, Paul, like you, you really think everything is, is lesser? But he says, for, those sakes, for whose sake I have lost all things, he says, I consider them garbage. I consider them garbage. Like it's not important. 
but that I may know Christ. Paul lived a desperate life, desperate for God. Like he was willing to lose everything. And he's simply saying to us, guys, all of that stuff of the world, when you get a true picture of how great God is, it's garbage. Like it's, you, you won't even want to do those things anymore. Why? Because it's so much lesser than the presence and power of God. A.W. Tozer said this, a low view of God is the cause of a hundred lesser evils. And a high view of God is the solution to 10,000 temporal problems. In other words, the thing that changes us is not our ability to kind of pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps and be religious and look at all that I do, God, for you. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an amazing Christian. He says, no, 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 no. The, the greatest way that your life changes is when you start getting desperate and infatuated with the presence and the glory of God. Like if, 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 if in a moment, like if I could snap my fingers and all of us just get a picture, like we could all just like kind of be translated out of this world and we're in heaven and we get to see the glory of God. Like if, if in a moment you could see that and experience that, I could see that and experience that. Man, the things of this world would, it would, it would, it would change everything. Because like, what is this in comparison to how great that is? And one of the things God's dealt with me this week about is this, that I feel like the Lord told me, don't lose your wonder of who I am. Like, don't ever lose the wonder, like the amazement of, of the glory and how awesome God is. I saw a video this week from uh, our oldest son whenever he was, I don't even think he was two years old yet, and we took him to Disney World for the first time, and he saw the fireworks. And uh, I, I watched this this week, and it, it just cracked me up. I wanted to share it with you. Um, here this morning. This is my son uh, Hudson whenever he saw fireworks for the first time. with this experience that he's having, you know, and it's the first time and he just sees it and he's throwing his head back and I felt like the Lord was dealing with me saying, are you still amazed at who I am? Like, do you still look at my presence and you're like, wow, you know, like it's the first, first time and I felt like just was reminded of Whenever I was a teenager, far from God, trying to find approval and acceptance by all these people, I went to this youth camp in the middle of Nowheresville, Kentucky, and that wasn't literally the name of the town, but it was in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky, and in, a, in, a, in a, just a plain old concrete floor tabernacle, I got down on my face in tear, tears, stained that concrete floor, and God changed my life. 
Like, I've never been the same since that moment. And guys, I don't want to ever forget that moment and ever forget that God didn't have to save me. He didn't have to call me. He didn't have to use me. But for for some reason, a God that great reached down to a person as low as me. And he reached down and he cared for me and he loved me and he had a purpose for me. And I don't want to ever lose the wonder of, of who God is. Rick Warren said this, that every sin that I commit is due to a lie that I'm believing about God. Like, whenever I'm making, whenever I'm committing sin in my life, I'm I'm doing so because I don't think God's going to take care of me. Whenever I'm lusting, I'm believing God's not going to take care of my needs. Whenever I'm lying, I'm believing God's not going to, God's not going to really come through. I have to kind of finagle, I have to make it. Work in my own power, my own ability, because I I fail to recognize how great God is. Here's the second thing about desperation, that whatever we are desperate for, we make time for and we prioritize. What I've learned is that in my life, I can follow the trail of my time, my money, my attention. And I can follow that trail And sitting on that trail, sitting at the end of that trail is a throne, and sitting on the throne is a God. And I'm ashamed to say, the God sitting on that throne is not always Jesus. Because I can easily get infatuated with things of this world. He says, hey, when you truly get desperate for God, hey, spending time with God, man, it's, it's not what we have to do, it's what we get to do. And coming to church, I don't have to go to church. Like, I get to go to church. Like, you know what I used to be? You know what God, like, I'm, I'm desperate for God. I want more of him. Like, I want to spend more time with him. I, I want to spend time with him when no one else is around. Like, I, I just want, I'm just desperate. I'm just infatuated with him. Like, I, I want more of God everywhere. Like, that is the heart that Paul's trying to communicate to this Galatian church. Guys, don't try to do it in your own power and ability, but understand, when you get desperate for God, it changes everything in your life. So I want to give you some practical things here today. I want to make it clear what the answer is not. The answer is not this. Brandon, you're right. I, I've been, I'm not desperate for God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my Bible reading plan out. I'm going to wake up at, I'm going to wake up early tomorrow. I'm going to wake up at 2 a.m. tomorrow. I'm going to read the whole, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the book of Galatians 10 times tomorrow. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to stop doing all this stuff that I've been doing wrong. I'm going to stop cheating. I'm going to stop lying. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to quit doing this. I'm going to quit doing that. And I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to come to prayer. I'm gonna, you're going to see me at church every single Sunday. Like, I'm never going to miss another day. Like, I'm all in. Like, I'm going to do it, Brandon. Like, you're right. I need to do this. And I would say to you, as I think Paul would say, that's not the heart that God's looking for. Because if you continue to try to live for God in your own power and your own ability, okay, I'm going to read more, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray more, got to stop doing that, got to start doing this. You're only setting yourself up for another failure, more guilt, more shame, more condemnation. Because what Paul is trying to teach the Galatian church is it's not about what you do anymore. But it's about receiving what God has done for you. It's about being a desperate person, living not in your own power, but living in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Like it's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to live, that gives you the power to walk, that gives you the power to make the right choices and the right decisions. So here's, here's some things I just want to challenge us this week to do. First of all, invite the Holy Spirit to change me. I want to challenge you. Don't say, okay, I'm going to change me today. I'm going to change my, my relationship. I'm going to change my... Like, I'm going to do this. And why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to change your life? God, I'm not doing this in my own power. But Holy Spirit, change me. Change me. Rearrange me. The Bible says, create in me a clean heart, O God. Like he didn't say clean up your own heart. He says, God, you change me. I'm desperate for you. Holy Spirit, change me. Don't try to change yourself. Don't try to change anybody else. Just get at a place of desperation and say, Holy Spirit, change my life. I want to live for you. Here's the second thing I want to challenge you to pray. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Jesus, in referring to the Holy Spirit, he says that the Holy Spirit is a helper. The word there is literally the word, um, it's called paraclete in the Greek, but it just simply means this, to come alongside. Like what the Holy Spirit wants to do is just literally just come alongside. Like when you're driving down the car and driving in the car down the road, He just wants to be beside you. Ever thought about that? You're never alone. It's not about what you do. It's not about, oh, I'm going to, okay, I'm going to stop this cycle. Okay, I'm going to do better. I'm going, no, 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 no. Holy Spirit, lead me. Start, start today. You don't have to wait till tomorrow. But I don't even know. I don't know how to live this life. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? Holy Spirit, would you guide me? Sit right here next to me, God. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Just fill me. Just lead me. And that's the third thing I want to invite you to pray is, Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Ephesians 5 says, don't be drunk with wine. Leads to debauchery. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't, don't live your life in that comfort and that just fueled by the flesh, intoxicated by the flesh. But be intoxicated with God's Spirit. Like, just be, you ever seen somebody just intoxicated? We were at Market Square the other night eating after a great night of worship. Knock City worship, it was awesome. And afterward, man, there's people, they were intoxicated, walked up to us asking me trivia questions. <laughs> About vampires. I didn't know what was happening. (laughs) And they didn't care what I thought. Like they were just intoxicated. And isn't it interesting that that's the illustration that God uses for what it looks like to live a life full of the Spirit? In other words, the Spirit, I give Him some, I give Him control of my life. I want Him to fill me, I want Him to change me. Uh, Nick, if you could help me out with the illustration here today. 
Thanks, man. Look at this guy. All right. A lot of times in life, this is kind of like us. We uh, have some bad decisions, bad choices that we make. And it um, doesn't take long uh, for our life to get uh, full, of, full of bad choices, full of sin, full of mistakes. When you're living for comfort, then that, those things of the flesh never lead to a good place. And we, we have a decision to make in these moments. Like, how do, we do, like, how do I fix this? How do I fix this sin? How do I fix this shame? Like, how do I fix this? We go to church. Okay, I need to read more. Okay, I'm going to get some of that stuff out of my life. Get it out. All right, I'm going to do more. I'm going to be better. I'm going to do, okay. I just, I, I, want, I want to have some more in my life. Like, and we try to, through our behavior, we try to get, get this stuff out of our life. These old habits, this stuff, we try to get it out of our life. But at the end of the day, we can't separate it all in our own power and our own ability, can we? We live a frustrated life. That's what Paul's telling the Galatians. Like, guys, you're trying to live your life with God like based on you know, getting it out yourself. That's never how God intended for you to live. God wants to fill you. Like, he don't want to just make you a better version of you. He wants, to cha- like, he wants His Holy Spirit to be on the inside of your life and change you from the inside out. Not you and your behavior changing And so I believe that's why Paul says being filled with the Holy Spirit. As he fills us, there's an overflow that begins to take place. As we're desperate and we're open, there's an overflow that begins to take place as God just fills us more and pours more of his spirit into our life. And before you know it, the things that were so dark and the things that were so dirty begin to be clean and begin to be cleansed. And the person that we used to be and the relationships that we used to have in our old life is no more... Not because of all the stuff that we did. You understand what I'm trying to say? It's not about religion. This isn't about some denomination. Oh, you better be filled with the Spirit. No, 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 no. We have to be. Like, like if we're not full of the Holy Spirit in our life, then we can never get to the life that God purposed for us, that life of desperation. And that's what happens just every day. God wants to keep on pouring and pouring and pouring. And he even uses this illustration of a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Like he wants to take your life and baptize you under the Spirit And you are forever changed by the power of God. Because this is what we need. And it doesn't happen because you're religious. It happens because you're filled. It doesn't happen as long as you stay in control. It happens whenever you get intoxicated with the Spirit of God. And you say, God, fill me with the Spirit. You say, I don't know. I don't know how that works. I don't know. Heard that Holy Spirit stuff was kind of weird. I was told if they started talking a lot about the Holy Spirit, I need to leave this church. (laughs) I'm going to show you how weird it is. Jesus said this. If you then, you who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's all it is. Just say, God. I need you. I'm tired of just doing Christianity between my ears. I'm ready to do this life from an overflow of desperation for you. 
and I'm going to let go of my inhibitions. And I, I invite you to pray probably one of the most dangerous prayers you'll ever pray. It means, Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill my life. Change me. I'm not doing this in my own power anymore. I need your spirit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm going to pray for two groups of people. The first group are for people that you need to give your life to Jesus here today. Like in this place, you feel God's presence and you know today's your day to surrender. Today's your day to stop that cycle of comfort. and Like you're ready to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm ready to live this life desperate for you. That's you. Nobody's looking around. It's between you and God. Why don't you lift up your hand right now to say, yes, that's me as a response to God. Yes, that's me. I'm giving my life fresh and anew to Jesus today. Maybe the first time or maybe the first time in a long time I give my life to him. That's you. I want to pray with you. And I want to invite everyone to pray together because the next prayer we're going to pray is for, the, for us to be filled with the Spirit. Before we can be filled with the Spirit, we've got to be emptied of us. Like, God, forgive me. So I want to lead us in a prayer all over the house today. Why don't you pray? You can use your own words. I just want to lead us this morning. Say, Holy Spirit, fill my life. Give my life to you today. Forgive me of my sin. I'm tired of going my own way. I need your strength. I surrender all of me, to all of you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Next prayer I want to pray is for people that need to experience that filling of the Holy Spirit. Right where you are, why don't you just, like you're a vessel, just like you're like this cup, just, lift, just, just kind of put your hands out in a posture of receiving. And I just want to pray a prayer over you and in your own heart or out loud, however you want to do it, why don't you just pray, Holy Spirit, fill me today. Lord, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you that you don't just leave us to do this life in our own power, but God, there's a power from another world that wants to fill our lives, lead us, change us, strengthen us, give us power to live. So I pray right now you would fill every person in this place that's hungry, that's desperate, that's open. Would you fill us with your spirit? God, would you fill us? God, we ask, you said you're a good father, so we ask you in this moment today, would you fill us with your precious Holy Spirit? Change us, rearrange our lives. Lord, we need you to be that strength and that power in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen, amen. I love what I feel in this place. Why don't we just thank God for what he's doing in this place today.